Happy Easter! Happy Easter, everyone. So much fun to be here with you on this uh, Resurrection Sunday. What a joy. Do you see friends here you recognize? Do you see family here? Put your hands together and just celebrate. What a fun thing it is to be together. So cool. Hey, if you're visiting, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors at Adventure. This is our student and young adult pastor, Zach Fox. Morning, everyone. Morning, guys. And today we want to talk to you about how we find real hope. We believe real hope changes everything. And gal, during the summer of my freshman year in college, we were representing our college all throughout the Midwest. Uh, it was hot, it was humid, and my, this gal kept talking about this guy she loved. She went on and on about how much she liked this other guy. I was growing weary because I liked her. I was out of compassion, no more mercy for me. And then there was this moment, I remember where we were, Alba, Missouri, walking out on the, on the rural road, just talking, and I noticed on this walk, she stopped talking about him. And I was like, oh, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> That's funny. That, that reminds me, um, early on when I was trying to, you know, get my now wife Angelina to, to like me, um, I was texting her, trying to, you know, convince her that to go on a date with me. And um, early on when I was texting her, I sent her this SpongeBob meme, and she really liked it. And um, it, she started texting me back a lot more. And all of a sudden, I got this hope. I'm like, I think she might like me. <laughs> Fast forward, it was just enough hope I needed to, because now we're married. So, hey, SpongeBob, never underestimate him. SpongeBob, SpongeBob. <laughs> hey, the truth is, is that hope actually increases your performance in every area of your life. Just a little snapshot here, just getting 10% more hope in your life, 10% more hope in your life will, will mean it'll generate more satisfying relationships, more productivity, less stress. Anybody in for less stress? And 10% more hope generates a likeliness of seeing God as loving, caring, and forgiving. And when you're going through tough seasons, you, you need to know that he, he not only loves you, but he likes you. And he cares about you and your family and your work and your neighbors. And so today we want to talk about Increasing your hope, maybe 10% today, the 10% factor today. Because the deal is, if you don't have more hope, the converse is true. You're, you're less likely to have satisfying relationships. You're less likely to be productive. You're, you're more likely to be stressed out. And you're more likely to view God as uncaring, unloving. Okay? And so we want to try to increase your hope level today, 10%. Boom, little boost. <laughs> One of the classic authors on hope came out of a German concentration camp, Viktor Frankl. He wrote this piece uh, as a doctor of psychology based on his observations of how his fellow uh, Jews survived. And he said this about hope. He said, the sudden loss of hope and courage can have a deadly effect. If you read Barbara Hildebrand's Unbroken, you also saw the same in the Japanese intern camps. The ultimate cause of my friend's death was that he expected liberation, did not come, and he was severely disappointed. 
Hope unmet can be devastating. We want you to leave with 10% more hope for your marriage and family life. 10% more hope for your physical health and discipline. 10% more hope for your ability to move the ball in your own career and become the person God knows you can become. Are you in for that? Would you like to know how to like increase a little hope factor okay, for you? That's the question we want to answer this morning. We believe that hope changes everything, real hope indeed. And we want to give you some tools to answer the question, how do we find real hope? So we're going to go to a story here that was designed to show believers how Jesus can provide hope in everyday Monday, mundane difficulty. How Jesus can show up in any day, any situation, and make a real difference and bring hope to our practical life. There's an example in, that comes from one of Jesus' closest followers, the one that he loved the most. I like to think that it might have been me had I been one of his disciples, but I think it would have been Zach. But when... When his disciple John, who is described as the one whom Jesus loved the most, recorded this story of some friends of friends of Jesus who lost their brother. He died. And Jesus did something very peculiar. He delayed in coming. Intentionally, he delayed in coming. And I believe he delayed in coming coming to help his friends to show them that he could provide hope in the worst situations. Here it is. When I get to the red, if you'd read with me, that would help me focus here and not see the squirrels that are out playing. And there are none yet. I'm watching. Here we go. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever whatever you you ask. ask. She understood the kind of favor Jesus had with his father and our father. Jesus said to her, your brother will will rise rise again. again. He'd been dead four years. And so you can see her her reasoning for days. Thank you. (laughs) Plenty of coffee this morning. There's no excuse for that. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in In the the resurrection resurrection at the the last last day. She held a belief that people did resurrect from the dead. Most Jews did. Jesus said to her, this is where he goes deeper into the daily hope. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And watch him go deeper here. And whoever lives by believing in me, that's the daily. That's the Monday mundane. In me will never die. Then the big question, let's ask it of each other. Do Do you you believe believe this? this? That's the question today that will get our focus. Jesus called in a loud voice. Say it with me real loud. Lazarus, come come out. out. Someday I believe he's going to say the same of your name. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. This was like a potato sack kind of thing. You know that potato sack game? That's what he looked like. Jesus' real hope that changes everything has the potential to really let us go personally. How do we find real hope? That's what we're going to ask. 
answer this morning. Firstly is you got to show up. What do you need to do? Show up. you got to show up. Martha showed up. Jesus was coming. Her brother had been dead four days. There was no reason to have real hope, but she had a faith that generated hope. You know, faith actually comes before hope. If you have no faith in today, there's no hope for tomorrow. Would would one of Jesus' most prolific writers say, first comes faith, then comes hope, then comes love? And so without faith in today, the truth is there's no hope for tomorrow. She had faith, faith enough to show up and go meet him. Here's why I like connecting with God's people. Jesus said something as it relates to showing up. He said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm present. Where two or three Christ followers or believers gather in my name, I'm there. I'm in that presence. We can't show you live video today of Jesus. We can't do a Facebook live of where he is. But he said in his absence, wherever two or three believers come together, I'm there. I'm in the presence of that very small gathering, two or three. That's not a lot of people. But when they come together in my name, I show up. That's why I love the church. is because the church became a place for me to experience real hope. The church is a place where I experience what we call, what we call grace, which is God's generosity, his initiative, his love. I'm reminded of, of, of God's acceptance of me, that I'm God's child, that I'm, that I'm Jesus' fellow brother. In the church, I'm reminded of the truth. I'm rescued by God's direction. That's why I love the church, is because when I come around two or three, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and gives me promptings and direction when I'm trying to make tough decisions, right? I love the church because the church is a family for me. And we're a family that's not perfect. We have a slogan here, no perfect people allowed. allowed. So if you think you're perfect, you're going to be really disappointed with us. We guarantee to deliver. (laughs) But I love the church also because I've discovered purpose. I've discovered personally that God had a plan for me that I never imagined as a kid, ever. I want to take a second to tell you, when I was four years old, my dad died in a pretty tragic fishing accident in Flaming Gorge, Wyoming. He and four other guys drowned. They never found anybody for about, until 1976, the drought of 76. They found him, uh, I guess it would be five years later. And I remember being there when my mom was getting the calls. And even though I've had some great stepdads, the truth is, is that there was an inner longing for a real father, right? Can you kind of get that a little? And I was fast forward eight years, and my, um, my mom's girlfriend came over just to hang out with her. And I was really kind of into Led Zeppelin, ACDC, anybody? I was just enjoying life, right? And my family didn't go to church at all. I mean, occasionally I was taken to Mass at Big Bear down in Southern California, but I was all disappointed I couldn't participate in communion, so I was like, whatever. So I was sitting in the, in the living room of my home 
and my mom's girlfriend came over. And I was just sitting there, and she paused, and she looked at me, and she said, I didn't know how to respond to that. It was the most riveting thing I'd ever heard. I'd never even read the Bible. Are you serious? Way too thick, no pictures. There's no way. <laughs> when she said that, it just, my heart just went. <laughs> and I started at age 12, and I have since then, although I've messed up, trusting that there's a real father in heaven that not only loves me, he likes me. And I can put my faith in him who can give me a real hope that can change everything in my life. And as a result, I've experienced some incredible, incredible seasons because of my father who brought me grace, who gives me truth, who gives me family, and who gives me purpose. That's why I love connecting with people. And so ever since then, I've always wanted to show up even when I don't want to. I mean, you know how hard it is to show up sometimes? Who wants to show up at CrossFit? Absolutely not. Who wants to show up at, you know, uh, Orange Theory? Or who wants to show up tomorrow at work? <laughs> Some of you are planning not to, correct? <laughs> who, who, uh, ooh, really? Did we talk about that? <laughs> who, uh, who, who really wants to show up at some dinners or some extended family events? Sometimes we don't, right? But when we show up for those moments with Jesus, it can change everything. And here at Adventure, we've this summer given you some opportunities to show up. We have opportunities that we've listed inside of your programs that are for blended families this summer this spring and summer. We have opportunities for camps, for families, and camps for middle school and high school students. High school students, I think probably the best investment you could make this summer is to show up at Hume Lake. It's the best investment. And I know it's one of those things you probably don't want to do. Or you'll say you can't afford it. Hey, give me your cell phone. We'll sell it. You're in. (laughs) You show up and God can do something special. We have some classes that we're offering in a few weeks, like what we believe, how to overcome stress. You show up, it could change everything for you. You take a moment, perhaps, towards the end of the service and text our text number, text camp, or text blended families, or, or text um, groups, or text serve. And show up and see if Jesus doesn't bring you the kind of real hope that changes everything. Will you do that? Will you text something, show up to something, and see what Jesus does? Cool. So we gotta, so we got to show up. Right? We're going to be hungry to be where Jesus is. And secondly, um, we got to be willing to look up. As to, to, find, to start finding hope in our lives as we begin to show up and we can look up to keep ourselves encouraged. So here's what Martha said. She said to Jesus, um, oh, wait, go back one more. Here we go. I know he will rise again. She said, I know he will rise again. Right? She, this, we read from other stories between Martha and Jesus that Martha, she was a, she was a hardworking lady. Right? This hardworking Martha, she had real faith and she had real hope. Right? Hope for Martha, it was real. Right? And here, here's what we know about people who have hope. We know that people who have hope, we know that hope liberates. Right? It's, what, it's what releases us from our past. We know that hope motivates us. It's what, it's what helps us bounce back. We know that hope initiates. It sets us free to dream, and we know that hope activates. Right? It's the fuel that makes the world 
a better place. You know, part of the burden that I think is on both of our hearts so much is that there's just so many people out in this world, really so many people here in Sacramento that don't know that there's a God out there who loves them more than they could even comprehend. You know, for me, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. He still is to this day, so I grew up um, just being in church my whole life. Um, But when I became a teenager, uh, I I just started getting pulled away. I started just getting enticed, you know, into that whole, um, you know, party life. I thought I was being young and having fun, and before I realized it, my whole life was filled with drugs and addictions, and it nearly took my life away from me. And it wasn't until I was 19 that I kind of decided, you know, enough's enough. I'm just going to try giving this whole following Jesus thing 100% and just kind of see what happens. And as I began to do that, it was, a, it was a day-by-day process, right, of saying no to a lot of things that I knew were bad and trying to say yes to Jesus. And as I began to do that, I began to experience what a real relationship with Jesus was like. And I'm telling you, it changed everything for me. I began to find the hope that I needed, right? The hope that that has liberated me from my past. It was the hope that motivates me to bounce back to be where I'm at today. It was the hope that activated in me to go, you know what, God, how can I make this world a better place? How can I tell people that you're a God of second chances, that you're a God out there who loves us more than we can even understand? You know, know, it's, it's just crazy for me when I look at this cross over here. You know, to realize that when God became man God, and became Jesus and went to the cross, right, all of our questions about how God feels about us should have been answered. All right, if we have a God who loves us enough to suffer for us, we better believe we have a God who loves us enough to suffer with us when we're going through it. All right, that's the hope we need. That when, when in our struggles, that God is there. And if we can begin to show up and begin to look up, we're going to start finding out that there's a God out there who is desperately pursuing a relationship with us. So how do we do this, right? How do we look up? How do we keep our eyes focused on Jesus? What we, what we like to say around here at Adventure is just a challenge, right? Why not, why not try to give Jesus your first 15 minutes of your day? Right? Why not just try sectioning a part of your day just to spend some time with God? Just 15 minutes, and make it easier on yourself. Just spend five minutes listening to worship. Right? That's one, two songs. Listen to Hillsong, Elevation. Those are some of my favorites. Right? And just listen to that. Let that move you just to start praying. Spend five minutes just talking with God. If you don't know what to pray for, just spend five minutes just thanking God for the blessings that are in your life. So I'm telling you, when you start to do that, your perspective on things will like, begin to change. And then just spend some time praying. And also don't forget, I mean, this book, this Bible, spend five minutes just allowing God to begin to start speaking back to you. As you begin to spend time with God, this is the number one way we believe that God speaks to us. So spend 15 minutes with Jesus. And as you begin to do that, as you begin to show up and as you begin to look up and keep your eyes focused on Jesus, you're going to find yourself not only connecting to like the source of love, the source of power, you're going to start finding a self-discipline in yourself that you didn't have before. And you're going to find this supernatural hope that will begin to get you through anything that you go through. That's pretty awesome, I would say. So as we begin to show up, as we begin to look up, I think we're ready for this third one, which is be ready to open up. Be ready to open up and receive this new life. Just open up and receive this new life that Jesus is wanting to give you. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You guys, this hope we have It's not an empty hope. 
Right? For us, what we celebrate today is the fact that we believe that Jesus resurrected. Right? Everything for us as Christians hinges on the fact that we believe that Jesus resurrected. And we have enough evidence for us to have overwhelming evidence for us to have enough faith to put our trust that this did happen. Right? We know for one that the tomb was empty. Historically, the tomb was empty. However you want to justify that, we know historically Jesus was buried in the tomb. Three days later, he wasn't in there. However you want to justify that, it happened. It's historical. Secondly, on, on top of that, we have the testimonies of the eyewitnesses. Right? Jesus' own disciples, who when Jesus was captured to be crucified, bailed on him. They thought, oh, everything's lost, everything's defeated. There's our Messiah, he's dying, this is a fail. They all left him. Fast forward three days later, these men are willing to give everything. They're willing to die. They gained nothing in their life but died for this cause on the account that they believe they saw Jesus resurrect. We even know that Jesus appeared to 500 people at once. Right? Note today, no credible psychologist can try and explain in a way an event like that. Are you, 500 people can't all hallucinate the same thing. It, it, it's amazing. And we also have the extraordinary um, transformations. Right? Paul himself, who was off killing Christians, claimed to have experienced the risen Christ and became one of the greatest Christian evangelists um, in Christian history, really. He wrote most of the New Testament. James, Jesus' own brother, who didn't believe, he thought his brother was crazy, calling himself God. Fast forward, after Jesus was crucified, he, he gave his whole life to believing that he saw his brother resurrect. I mean, for 2,000 years, people from all walks of life, all over the world, have claimed to have their lives transformed by Jesus, including us. I mean, you're, you're totally. truly us here. Yep. It's amazing. We want everyone to have that real, everyday hope Mm-hmm. Um, that changes everything, mm-hmm. uh, not just for the future, but in our marriage and family life, at work, uh, in relationship with our extended family, our friends, our neighbors, um, as it relates to whatever medical challenge we're facing, that we hold on to the healer of real hope. One of my friends, a Northrop engineer who used to attend Adventure, Bob Holland, some of you may remember him. He was really struggling during a season of his life to, to reconcile uh, his reason, his linear logical skills with faith. And uh, he wrote one time, he said, my life has changed when I was challenged to love God with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind. When I began investigating Christianity, I found that there are excellent reasons to believe that this is truth. I found answers and my life no longer had to be divided between faith and reason. Now I have both, and life is meaningful and full of hope. You may be able to resonate with where Bob's coming from. It's got to make sense for you. But let me tell you, at some point, you're going to have to take a step of faith. At some point, you're going to have to step out and believe based on the evidence that you've got that Jesus is who he said he was. We're going to look now at the narrative that this day honors. Here's what it says. It says, Early on, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one, who Je- the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. 
Both were running, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Even in a situation as serious as this, the author had to let you know, competition is always alive. <laughs> so he bent over, so he, so he bent over and looked in, and the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He He saw saw and believed. Awesome. So how do we open up? How do we open up? What is the step to doing that? What is the most important question Jesus asked that we've heard today? Do you remember what it was? Do you believe? That's the most important question that Jesus answered today. We saw in last week's news somebody who really stepped out to rescue his fellow uh, Frenchmen. Any of you hear the incredible story about Arnaud Bertrand, special force, French officer, uh, who actually trained to defend his, uh, his, his Frenchmen against terrorist attacks, even to the point of doing mock attacks in the supermarket. If you had a chance to read the story, when an ISIS terrorist walked into a supermarket and took control and started, volunteered to offer himself in a hostage exchange. And uh, he set down his pieces, his armament, walked in. He was immediately killed, right on the spot. His life for the life of an employee of the supermarket, whose name's Julia. Can you imagine, though she's going through horrific post traumatic stress, can you imagine the sense of relief she's feeling and the incredible indebtedness she has to the surviving spouse and children and grandparents, grandparents of Arnaud? Can you imagine the kind, of, the kind of hope that she's been given where she's completely indebted to him and what he did? And I know we have a lot of American soldiers, we have a lot of fire department workers, we have a lot of first-time responders that exhibit this kind of valor. Today's the day where we celebrate that Jesus was our Arnaud. He experienced the full weight of what our shortcomings deserve, our guilt, our shame, our narcissism, our overly over self-awareness, he experienced the penalty of that kind of selfishness on a cross. And what we believe about Jesus is that God loves us deeply, but our problem is that we struggle to love God. We struggle to love our neighbors and our co-workers. Moreover, we struggle to love ourselves. And when we struggle to love God and our neighbors and ourselves, what happens is we end up going on a detour. It messes with us. Anybody relate? Who's good at detours? 
<laughs> right. We end up experiencing kind of this weirdness, right? We get a little, a little dysfunctional, a little weird. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you got weirdness. Go ahead. Weird. <laughs> Why don't you reply, you're weirder. somebody had to pay the price for that weirdness and dysfunction to be removed before God's sight and to cleanse our consciences of shame and guilt Jesus offered his body once for all on a Roman cross the most barbaric way a person could be killed a way in which even Roman citizens would not be executed He suffered a barbaric death so that our faith in him was no longer based on what we do. It's based on what he's gotten done. Our faith in Jesus is about what he's done, not what we do. And your faith has the capacity to really bring hope and change everything on Monday and every day forward. There's incredible hope that comes with that. And we've even left you on your way out on some of our tables out in the lobby. There are these international symbols of hope. Grab one, put it in your pocket, stick it in your wallet. If you brought someone that's struggling with hope, stick it in their, in their pocket. <laughs> because hope is the beginning of everything. How do I find real hope? The scriptures, Jesus gives us real direction here. How do you find real hope? It's this confession. The confession is, Jesus is my Lord. You can say it with me. Jesus is my Lord. It's personal. He's my Lord. He's my master. And then, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead for me. This confession is given a promise that whoever confesses with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they'll be saved. You're like Julia. You're completely taken care of. What, if, uh, what about us uttering this confession right now together as a congregation? Maybe some of you, for some of you, it's a rededication. For some of you, it's a first-time confession where your heart has been opened today you feel a prompting. And so you confess this with us together as a congregation. I promise you, you're not on video. Nothing's going to be posted here. But what about giving Jesus together and confessing this together? Zach, let's do this together. How can we find real hope? We confess Jesus is my Lord. And I believe God God raised Jesus Jesus from the dead for me. That's our confession. That confession alone is saving. And it changes everything. It brings us the real hope. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are honored to be with all of your children that are here. We are honored to hear that you are the God of all hope, that you simply want us to show up, to look up, and to be willing to open up and believe in you when it's tough 
But we know that if there's no faith in today, there's no hope for tomorrow. And so today we've come together and we have just confessed our belief that you're our Lord, that you were raised from the dead for our lives and our hope. And I want to ask you, if you're here today and you simply want to rededicate yourself to this real hope that changes everything, I'm going to ask you in a moment for you to just raise your hand. If you're here today and you feel kind of a prompting, like this was weird, this was weird, you feel like, man, did I already have a mimosa? Something's happening here. And you're like, I sense that God's trying to tell me something. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you're here today and this putting your faith in Jesus, not religion, but putting your faith in what Jesus has done, not what we do, that you would say, hey, I'm one of those no perfect people allowed. If you're ready today for the first time to say, I want to believe in Jesus, that confession, that's going to be mine from this day forward. This is the life in which I'm going all out. And like Zach said, I'm going to, I'm just going to try Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with those who are feeling a prompting, with those who want to redirect, recommit their life to Christ, rededicate. So on the count of three, if the message has spoken to you to rededicate yourself, to respond to a prompting, or for the first time you've confessed Jesus as your Lord, your hope for the resurrection, I just want you to raise your hand. Just slip it up real quick. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Today was special. I see your hands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your hand. Yes, in the back. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, sir. Anybody else would say yes. Anybody else say yes today. I need real hope in my marriage. I need real hope in my career. I need real hope in my job. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. We know you are the God of hope. We look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.